Okay, right, let's get going then. Hello and welcome to the first in a series of podcasts that uh, we're putting out as part of the stage for Penner Education. You have me, Jack Thorogood, Senior Client Manager at Penner, and I'm joined by Stacey Anderson, who is Head of Marketing Engagement at University Academy 92. Hi, Stacey, and thank you for joining me. Um, Stacey, I thought what might be nice to kick this off is if I just did a quick handover to you um, and you gave a bit of an intro in terms of, uh, I guess, who you are and what your role entails at UA92, but also a bit of history about who UA92 are. Um, because I know we've had conversations in the past about, about this, so I thought it might be a, a great way to start. And then we can dive into um, all things uh, student attraction and everything that comes under that. Hi, Jack. Um, thanks for that introduction. Um, my name's Stacey Anderson, and I am the Head of Marketing and Engagement at UA92. Um, and I've been here for um, just over five years now. Um, UA92 is a new institution, um, a new higher education institution based in Old Trafford, Manchester. And I'm the um, one member of staff that's been here since the, the formation of UA92. So I was sat in a basement five years ago um, <laughs> trying to make um, a concept a reality. So the concept um, came from and the idea from um, the class of 92. And they are now um, businessmen and um, media men as well. So you, you'll still see them on the TV, even though they're not on the pitch. And they um, own Salford City Football Club. They were strongly influenced by Sir Alex Ferguson, the um, their manager at Manchester United at the time. And what intrigued me so much about this concept of um, creating a higher education institution which, by the way, is a fantastic opportunity that I knew um, would only come around once in a lifetime. But it was all about what made them successful and how did their resilience and hard work and a whole bunch of other principles make them um, the, the team that they were um, and so widely applauded for what, what they did and what they achieved. UN92 in its formation um, needed an academic partner. So... Um, Lancaster University are one of our co-founders with the class of 92. And um, UN92 is a very different higher education offer, in my opinion, to anything else that exists in the education arena. And it's really about um, equipping young people with the, um, the skills and the, and, and the tools for their onward success after university. And we do that by focusing on the person and an individual's character and personal development rather than the academic alone. So of course, academic ability um, and the academic experience is of course the focus of UA92, but it is teamed with that whole um, character development skill set, which is of huge need um, to employers and the need for onward growth. So um, it's been an interesting journey. And as I said earlier, it, it's one that only comes around once in a lifetime. But the impact that it can have for young people, in my opinion, is immense. And I think that's why um, it's, it's been so um, interesting and positively challenging to work here over the last few years. So if, if we rewind two years, um, we brought, um, brought on board our first cohort of students 
our pioneering cohort who, you know, took a real challenge because they could have gone to a well-established institution um, that has produced many graduates and has that reputation. We, of course, don't have that. All of our students will get a degree awarded by Lancaster University, but um, we've got some risk takers on board here that have been up for a challenge. And the feedback that I've received so far from our students is what a fantastic opportunity it is. And the connection between the students and our staff is brilliant. And we really focus on the on the well-being and the whole experience for our students. Um, in making them ready for the real world of work. We don't want to just churn out students that go into the workplace that aren't equipped to hit the ground running. So um, the principles, principles and the foundations of UA92 and how that's embedded into our curriculum and our experience are key fundamentals for um, our onward um, success of our students. I think that was probably the perfect intro. There's a, a lot of uh, there were a lot of things there, Stacey, that you mentioned that actually I think we can really draw down a lot of interesting aspects. I think, first of all, something that I'm really keen to, to know more about is you mentioned your first cohort of students are really the pioneers because they did take a risk um, from speaking with them and kind of learning about their experiences and what have you. Have they kind of shared their reasoning behind taking that risk? And what was it that made them look down the maybe less traditional HE route? I think um, as a marketer, first and foremost, I had a really difficult task on my hands. Not only did I have to build a brand that didn't exist um, and a brand that I believe needed to be really distinctive and bold in the marketplace, it couldn't look like any other higher education provider because why would somebody choose to come to UA92 over, over one of the other providers in Manchester or in, in the Northwest and indeed the UK itself? So I didn't have the, the, um, the opportunity to have that advocacy-based marketing approach and showcase testimonials of these are our students, these are our graduates, this is how great UA92 is. It was purely a concept that our students had to buy into in that first year. And that, that's no mean task in itself. So to, to bring on board our first cohort of students was a momentous occasion and in all honesty it was quite emotional realizing that you know the collective effort of the staff that were on came on board were able to make that success and what it's meant is that we've been able to be, um, build really meaningful relationships with our students and indeed um, our applicants so it's not unheard of for um, you know our student recruitment team to to know a lot of our applicants personally because they get to know us at open days and um, moving forward onto the student journey, our students and our staff all know each other. They're, they're not a number. Um, that's one of the, the perks of being um, small and, and growing. Speaking to our current students, one of the things that they love is that human interaction where they walk on the campus and they can walk past the main reception area and somebody say, oh, hi, Abs, how are you today? How did you do last night um, at work? Or how was football practice, Regan? Everybody knows everybody. And it, it, it calls for so much, especially in you know, the current climate 
with COVID and that support mechanism. And well-being is a huge part of UA92, and it's something that our students are constantly feeding back on how positive it is. I've just come off a call um, that I sat in on, which was our students with one of our co-founders. And, you know, that's not, you know, it's not out of the ordinary for that to happen. Our co-founders are on the campus all of the time when we're allowed to, given the current um, government guidelines. So it, it's not that there's a celebrity on campus. You feel that it's somebody that you can go over to and have a conversation and it's great seeing that our students are able to to start to build their professional profile and have build that network and have those conversations that ordinarily you wouldn't have until you till you graduate and during the call this morning with our students and Gary Neville um one of the students who's actually um my coachee he thanked Gary Neville for for what he's done and the input that he's had to the um, the experience at UA92 to date. And it was so heartwarming to hear it and experience how one individual's um, big thinking and how much they put their, their heart and their passion into something can have an impact on somebody's life and create opportunities for them. And equally, um, Another student was very thankful of my colleague Steph, who um, heads up our wellbeing team and the support that's been there um, for the last two years. But particularly, you know, the last 12 months have been really difficult for everybody. And um, all of the students at UA92 have had the support in going in through that period. And our wellbeing service has been a pivotal part of that. Yeah, I think what's I think what's really in, in, in kind of a, an odd way, I guess, there's a sense of irony because like you say, you had to be, you had to be bold from the off because you're such a new institution and you're not a traditional HE institution. And the way that you set up and your approach actually has, has brought you some benefits over the last 12 months because you kind of were already, you're already uh, leaning on the well-being aspect. You're already looking at that personal approach, et cetera. So I think actually there's a lot of benefits that you've managed to, to kind of really get over over the last last twelve months or so that, that maybe a lot of um, uh, more traditional HE institutions haven't. Um, I think one of the things that I was really keen to to talk about is um, is kind of that that on campus aspect and uh, what impact maybe that has had with your your current cohort and I guess what that's meant for you as an institution in terms of have you had to change strategies slightly um, because of because of the impact in COVID um, and if so how what's that what's that meant for, for UA92? I think one of the benefits of creating a new higher education institution was that we were able to rip up that piece of paper and all of the stigmas that are associated with higher education where appropriate so um, a key one for me um, is our AM PM timetable so all of our students will start the year knowing whether they'll be studying in the morning or in the afternoon. There's never um, an hour here, an hour there. And that flexibility of this of our model allows our students to wrap their lives around their studies or wrap their studies around their lives. So whether that be you've got caring commitments or you're working a part time job or you want to get some work experience, you've got that stability to know how they can work together. And I think that provides an excellent opportunity um, for those who want to access education. And especially thinking through those that might not have considered higher education was for them. 
knowing that that flexibility is there, I believe opens the doors to um, a whole new cohort of students to access um, higher education. Um, in addition to our AMPM timetable, Wednesday is an exception. So um, we have digital Wednesdays where um, pre-COVID students wouldn't come onto the campus unless they wanted to. So um, that was their time to, to be online and connect with um, the staff or do some um, work from home. That's enabled the foundations for us to upscale during the impact of COVID. So while a lot of other institutions had to work through, I suppose, the um, bureaucracy of how can we deliver our education online rather than in the classroom, you know, that's unheard of to, to a lot of institutions out there. And it's a big shift to make. But we were simply able to upskill, and I suppose I suppose we didn't have some of the challenges that other institutions faced. Um, in addition to that, it's proved really well for us. We've got um, sector leading um, attendance during the COVID period because of our model and the way that we've been able to continue to deliver our education off campus. So um, it, it's been, I suppose, a, a great learning curve for us under the circumstances. But um, our delivery teamed with our well-being approach has enabled us to, to transition as smoothly as we can into what was known as the unknown world, I suppose. Yeah, I, so I, I guess uh, in a weird way, it's kind of just con it's pushed you to continue to be bold um, because obviously the, the, the boundaries of of like I say, HE and what that brings traditionally, you've you've not necessarily been been bound by those shackles. Um, you mentioned flexibility there, and we know that flexibility now is going to be so so important. Obviously, there's going to be much more of a a mature, an increase in mature applicants um, because of the job market and what that's what's happened there over the last twelve months. Um, so I think it's it, again, it's it's kind of great that you 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 kind of had this setup of a blended approach around on campus versus that that online aspect with the, the digital Wednesdays. Um, I guess looking at a kind of flexibility of study as well, that also the setup you've got also links in with um, one of the points that, that I want to talk about around part-time versus full-time. And I think this comes back to obviously what people are, are kind of looking for when applying now. They're looking for something that may be A, close to home, but also, we talk about on campus versus online, but also that that fits around their lifestyle, and and that AM versus PM kind of does that does that perfectly. Um, when we think about brand, obviously you've got you've got this great story to tell um, as the institution that you are, and, and and kind of everything that comes with that. But what has that meant from from kind of a brand perspective? So obviously when you started, you had to be bold, you had to be pioneers, you really had to. To try and push your way into the into what is already a competitive market space, but how have you seen? Um, I guess a shift in in how you approach kind of pushing your brand to market. Have you perhaps uh, had to think more about the type of messaging? If it's that, if it's more empathetic messaging based on what's happened over the last twelve months, what what kind of shifts have you seen from from your institution specifically? So initially, um, as I mentioned earlier, the intention was always to build a bold brand that was quite disruptive in the marketplace and that would challenge um, higher education and allow us to firmly 
um, find our position within the market. I think we've done that quite well, but it, you know, it's going to take some time. What it has enabled us to do is to trial different ways of working. And um, I'm quite keen on, um, rather than setting benchmarks against other institutions, of course, I'll always look at my competitor set, but looking outside of the sector, what are young people doing? What are they listening to? How can we market to them in ways that they, they're um, absorbing information? We all know that young people can see through um, the jargon now and they know when they're being marketed to. That, that's nothing new. We've known that for some time. But as technology um, continues to develop and the use of digital marketing and the importance of social media in that um, space, I really um, have pushed for um, the marketing team and for UA92 to, to think outside of the box and ensure that we, we don't we don't put ourselves in into just higher education in terms of how we're being um, how would be perceived as being traditional in the way that we go to market some of our activities. So um, trial and error has been a huge one for us, and ultimately. Um, over the last few years, it's been about, um, if you think about the marketing funnel, it's been about generating awareness uh, of UA92. So people becoming familiar with our brand. Um, I found um, when I was um, supporting the recruitment team um, at FAIRS that the use of Manchester alongside our brand name had huge importance because um, University Academy 92 alone doesn't really um, tell you anything. And the, the power that Manchester plays um, in the decision-making process for choosing to go to university is immense. And I know that there's loads of um, statistics around that, but I've seen it firsthand how just having that word Manchester on your stand really brings people to come and ask questions. That team with um, a dynamic visual that's eye-catching brings people over and makes them initiate a, initiate a conversation. Equally, um, it, it, while we're talking about being at fairs, um, I didn't want to pitch up to a UCAS fair, for instance, with a pop-up banner and a tablecloth, which works for some people, but it's too traditional for us, if I'm honest. Um, so at our first UCAS fair, we, we turned up with a VR game, which attracted lots of attention um, and we had queues going around our stand because people were wondering why um, there, were, there were people on the stand with headsets and arms waving in the air and it was quite a new concept at the time but it again it helped generate the brand awareness that we needed and helped initiate a conversation which um, we needed to have to to get our name out there yeah, I so suppose... there's been lots of different activities that we've done um, to, I suppose, think outside of the box. The key thing is we've still got to work to a budget. And because we've got famous co-founders, that does not mean that we've got an endless pot of money. It's far from that. So we have to be quite creative in what we do. And I've got a very, very lean team. So um Collaboration is always key, and I know that everybody will say that. And the power of being small allows us to do that quite effectively. Um, but I think collectively, um, 
getting people's thoughts and opinions across our um our business but also engaging the wider community and how we look feel and how we present ourselves has been a, a key part for us i guess the, i guess the message there is is take risks be bold but also think about think about where you're placing yourselves with regards to your own organic marketing even of course we talk about pay, we can talk about paid for as well but when it, when you think about what you do organically think about what you're doing and where you are if for instance you're at a, a UCAS exhibition what can you do to stand out and and you're right there I know for so I've got a I've got a, a sister who's currently in year 12 and, and she started that that process around thinking about what she wants to do in terms of her um, her next step around education and she's going to virtual fairs largely over the last 12 months uh, and uh, but really what is keen to do the um you know the, the get that real life experience but I know for her she wouldn't she wouldn't necessarily be be taken aback by by stands that all look and feel the same she'd want that element of interaction engagement experience and excitement really and that's I guess that's that's the message there that that you've touched upon is is just be bold you really have to take risks and, and kind of be creative. Absolutely. And I think the, um, I know our student recruitment team were involved with some of the virtual fairs last year. And any attendee at a virtual affair is, a fair is not getting the experience that they, they would have had by physically being somewhere, as goes for all aspects of life at the moment. I think for us, um, being a new um, organisation, entering the virtual world in terms of recruitment, especially around fairs, is very, very difficult. And yeah, that's why in terms of our marketing and advertising, we've, we've needed to be um, quite dynamic and we don't stick to just the traditional route. I think we, you know, UA92's concept is about thinking about those that might traditionally go to university, of course, but also we've got a huge emphasis on supporting those that might not have thought that university was them for them. And it's about us being in the right place for them to access um, the information about UA92 and to learn more about us. And a higher education fair probably wouldn't be the place that they go to. It might be um, in the community. It might be while they're scrolling through Instagram. Um, but the, the, the trial and error of, of what we've been doing over the last couple of years is allowing us to have um, more of an insight into that. Um, equally, I think um, a lot of our statistics around our advertising and the, the results that we got were, I was told, quite phenomenal and um, smashed all of the sector averages. I drive that down to um, how strong our visual presence has been and how bold we've been with our statements. Um, and we've been quite clear in outline, outlining all of our USPs, of which there are many. <laughs> um, but what, what's been difficult is when you're generating this attention and you're getting that brand awareness, how do you, um, how do you convert that? So not just how do you convert it into an application, but once they've seen your visual and they're clicking on that link, how are they getting that right content when they're on that page? So initially we did um, a cam um, an advertising campaign where we were appearing on Twitch and um, the, the hit rate result um, was, was great for us. 
But what I learned was that we weren't seeing that conversion through to application when we were mapping that journey. And I was of the belief that the way that we were repairing and on the platform that we would, we had chosen was allowing um, our audience or our future consumers to assume that we'd offer gaming degrees and, and we don't. Um, we were formed with business, medium and sport at the heart of our um, curriculum. That's expanding. Um, but it's about how, how do we make sure that that user journey um, is one which pro is providing the information that they're expecting and that they're not under an illusion of something else. I think there's two there's two really key things there. So I think one of them is is just the world of the virtual space, which we'll come on to in a second, but also um, UCAS and their sentiment survey that they released, I think it was in November um, of last year, um, they said that 93% of prospective applicants said that university websites were either extremely important or very important when deciding where to apply. So I think, again, you talk about that user journey and absolutely the platform that you're on, with regardless of the type of message that you're putting into uh, your advertising your, or your, the content you're putting out there, there's still a connotation depending on what the platform is used for predominantly, but also how important it is to get the message right and the information right when they come to, uh, when they when they click on an advert, for instance, or where they do whatever they do and they come to your own website. So there's a lot to be said about investing the right time and resource in in just your own your own space, virtually, quite literally, isn't there? Um, absolutely that links really nicely into kind of virtual open days and obviously we've spoken specifically about fairs and obviously virtual fairs and things but the shift in um, I guess open events to, to, to kind of virtual open events and we know at the start of this you mentioned how um, one of the, the kind of really positive pieces of feedback you get from your current cohort of students is the fact that on campus they can walk around and get that real personal interaction and, and what have you how has it been with that shift from open days specifically, predominantly doing them on campus, people can come and get that real feel, speak to students, staff, whatever it may be, to moving that virtually? Because obviously this is where the world's gone now, isn't it? That's a really great question. And um, it's interesting, actually. We've only had, I think, one open day on our campus because hey. of when we opened covid wow. um hit i think it was about five or six months after so um you know it's super challenging for us we know once we we can get um applicants onto campus and they get the the feel of what we're all about it's easier to convert and of course as soon as somebody goes to an open day they're much more likely to get you down as one of um, their choices um or equally make the decision that you're not right for them. So that, that's been difficult. Um, prior to um, having open days on campus, we were having to think outside the box again about how, how do we enable the UA92 experience without being able to showcase it. So um, we, we needed to innovate and do it quite quickly. So again, testament to our pioneering students in buying into this concept that we had um, and I'm glad now that it's a reality. Um, I think for me personally, um, I, I went off on maternity leave just before COVID and I ended up having twin girls two days after the lockdown started. 
So I've come back to work, which I feel is in, in a completely different world. I've not been having to do the whole work from home and um, speak to people um, at the other end of it, you know, facing me through a computer. Coming back and observing how the team have reacted um, themselves to having to move quickly with providing events online rather than face to face. I see it as um, a real coming together in terms of how people, how the team have been able to collaborate and move quickly. So it's not just marketing led, it's how do we engage the academics on this? How do we engage um, those in our digital team to make sure that we can run an event quite quickly um, and seamlessly to our audience and be accessible? And I think that's the key. And as we um, start to come out um, of the lockdown and the restrictions ease, I think there's going to be another challenge because I think we'll be working with a group with groups that want to be out and would love to come to an open day, which is fantastic. But equally, there's going to be a group that still have concerns about mixing and will feel uncomfortable in going into um, spaces with big groups of people. So the opportunity for me is how do we bring um, potential students on campus and provide them with the best experience that they can have, but also how do we um, make sure that that experience is echoed online and continues to be so that the two run hand in hand um, and how we map that conversion process against those um, two groups moving forward as well. And I think we need to um, bear them in mind with equal consideration and equal value. Absolutely. And I suppose I suppose this has been the, the hurdle for most people, isn't it? It's it's we know the importance of just that face to face experience. Um, but actually, how can as an institution, how can you translate that virtually? It's so so difficult because you can't get that the face to face through a screen just isn't the same and that's that's the reality um again looking at um coming back to that that UCAS survey and they spoke about how um uh, the survey that they released and the, the the feedback that they got was that the most useful aspect of a virtual open event was about course um but that was also similar with uh, what the most memorable aspect of a virtual event was. It was all around subjects and course. And um, I suppose this, again, kind of links in a little bit with what you were saying around Twitch and the fact that even with something like a virtual open event, you really need to think about the platforms that you're using to promote that because you mentioned about Twitch and there was a maybe a, um, you know, a, a, people thought that perhaps you had a certain subject offering that you don't necessarily. So actually, if people are, if prospective students want to, to see information specifically about course and subject and what the offering is specifically with that, you need to make sure that the platforms resonate before they get to the to, to the site to register and absolutely before they get to that virtual event. So it's 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 actually virtual events, I think, are actually something that needs to be thought out quite far in advance because there's so much back planning that you need to do to make sure you get it right before they think about the experience. Um, so is that something that from your perspective and, and like you say, typically, actually, a lot of your open days have been virtual as opposed to on campus. But is that something in your experience you've thought about as well? Well, actually, the type of platforms we promote virtually as opposed to what we did when we did on, on campus has changed. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've been working with Penna over the last few months um, 
to to promote um, our offer and our virtual open days and bumping bumping the numbers up um during this this time's difficult for everybody everybody's getting fatigued now of um screen time um and thinking outside of the box is is going to be key in driving this continuing to drive this one forward um i know when i returned to work and i spoke to um, the marketing manager in my team i had concerns about how you know how do you even host an online event how do you make sure that everybody um is getting the right experience how do you know um you know to make sure that the right speakers on on the line at the right time so i had a lot of questions and that's just the way that the the world has gone what it has enabled for us is to to know how sessions are being um received so um if you were doing an open day you might do a post event survey or you might do some um interactive surveys during an event the engagement is never going to be 100% with that um, and you're not really um, knowing when somebody is switching off. But the power of doing it online enables you to look at the figures throughout the entire event and you can see those drop off points. Or you can see if you know, you've got a nine o'clock event, but most people are joining at 9.25. You, you, you get the user insight that you wouldn't have had through um, your um your insight that you would have had previously. So from a consumer perspective and a consumer understanding base, I think it's allowed um, a greater understanding, which I hope we'll be able to learn from and we, we can start to tease um, the stats out of that to, to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's so much to think about when it comes to, to student attraction. I'm sure that prior to COVID, it was something that changed on a daily basis weekly basis it will do that probably on an hourly basis now it's just going to continue to chop and change and and i think really what we're what is is kind of come from from this talk that we've had today is that you really need to you just need to be bold you need to do the trial and error approach you really need to think about the audience and make sure that actually the way that you're engaging and where you're engaging with them it's just where they want to be engaged with. You're on a, a level playing field with them um, and make sure you stand, you stand out ultimately. Um, I've, it, I guess to, to kind of, to, to finish this, I'd just like to say that I've found this incredibly insightful. So really thank you for, for kind of joining and for your time. Um, thanks of course to, to those that, that have listened. Um, make sure that you visit peneducation.co.uk um, and of course, to find out more about the uh, the podcast and the webinars that we're running next week, apart from uh, as part of the student stage. Um, and yeah, thanks again.